The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Darlene, what a hell of a week, a weekend. Um, I... <laughs> This will be the most free-flowing show in the history of this podcast, and it may be the one that makes you realize what you've been missing, or it may be the one that makes you realize um, I should be incarcerated and not our president at the time. Bruce Bernstein, thank you, and um, I I think I'd like to just go, uh, me and you go one-on-one here, and where I throw out crazy rants, and you essentially try to moderate them or or agree with them and basically it becomes like um at the end of it we're at the end of it at least people can see um that there is an alternative view in my head going on unfortunately that person is you it has nothing to do with me himself you can be jim acosta and i'll be jeffrey tubin <laughs> okay well uh, <laughs> If you really want to be Tubin, that's fine. I just I would I would tell Nan, I would say Nancy should leave the room. You're more wonderful wife right now because um, oh Jeffrey gosh. should have kept his tube in his pants. That's all I gotta say. Uh, oh yeah. You know, funny thing was is that Jeff Tubin, not pro enough, nothing. The New Yorker journalist, CNN uh, legal analyst, made his bones. Well, maybe that's even an. Uh, that's even an <laughs> look at look at where this thing's already gone. <laughs> Man, his bones uh, uh, covering the OJ trial, right? That's where he became famous. Um, OJ OJ threw major shade on him after that happened. He he goes, well, you know, Jeffrey Tube, and at least Pee Wee Herman was in an X-rated movie theater. <laughs> oh God, that's brutal. He tweeted it. It was serious. It was pretty funny. Yeah. All right. Okay. So. Um, so as all of you know now, uh, President Trump did win re-election. He is just awaiting a few votes to come in from Psycho Ward America and tell him that in fact he did keep the presidency. That's how far we're gone. I was because um, I, I am left of Michael Moore and most um, uh, I, I go harder to my left than James Harden sometimes. I was celebrating this. My my kids and I, I, I have I have the live moment when Wolf Blitzer calls it and my kids are jumping up and down. And in a way I felt like I brainwashed them a little because the 10 year old Oliver was like, get out of here, Trump. And I said, no, no, this is congratulating Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They won the president. And, and, and so I realized in my own household how, uh, how we can sort of put little things in our kids' minds and where they go. But it's a few days later, and I'm done with healing after a day. I was all about healing when it happened. Like, hey, we won, uh, but we didn't win. The right side of history won, darn it. And let's all heal as a nation. And 
you know what? Some of these people, they don't want to heal. They want to be curb stomped, set on fire, and put out with Colin Kaepernick's cleats. I hate you people. Bruce, Mike, you can Mike, respond to that. Mike, um, first of all, no, okay. <laughs> that, that will feel good. That's like, that's like calling up, you know, your boss and tell him to go F himself, you know, when he makes a decision. All that. It feels, it's going to feel good for a minute. And then yeah. after a while, you're going to realize it's kind of counterproductive and you really screwed yourself. And if we kind of multiply that mindset by whatever, 300 million yeah. or whatever, um, it's a recipe for further discord. And for me, a political moderate who can tell you 10 things I like and dislike about either party. Okay. I do truly try to call balls and strikes. Yeah. I'm happy that Biden won because the Biden that we've been told is the real Joe, mainly the guy who's willing to work with the other side. That's exactly what we need. We need to heal. I liked his speeches since everything has sort of, you know, started to crystallize a bit. It's, um, let's go, let's do this yeah. thing. Let's be inclusive. Let's, let's walk the walk, not just talk the talk. I, th I think that's a great way to say it. I think you're in the minority on that. And I wish you weren't. I, I think the way, the way to heal this landscape first is um, cleanse it of the people who are irredeemable. Jared Kushner, his sorry sons, Donald and Eric, Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, all the people who have been taught not to believe the people who research facts, Bruce. Like, I'm just thinking of the irony of self-proclaimed patriots like Ted Cruz, Graham, Trump Jr., Eric, and Steve Bannon, who, if you missed it, was banned from Twitter for advocating the beheading of Dr. Fauci, is by enabling real Donald Trump, you know, the Donald Trump's deep denial. You know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna enable that, you're, you're outright, you're not a patriot. You're an outright un-American citizen. You, you sh look, even if his stubborn ego won't let him concede an election, even if the delay doesn't turn into QAnon rallies on the mall, violence and death, even if he just looks mentally unstable, Holding up a peaceful transition of power will result in thousands of more COVID deaths. That's already been, uh, that's out there by some, by people in, in the public uh, health policy world. And for that alone, the president and the people around him who are emboldening him to mount this full-scale investigation into nothing should suffer dire consequences. Every one of them are putting the American people's health and well-being in jeopardy. Every minute they participate in this morality play, they can't win, nor can they even come away looking noble fighting. So, you know, Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, all these, you know, Eric, Donald Jr., Zealots Incorporated, you should be prosecuted for willful ne negligence in the death of American citizens who will die because of your denial. That's how serious I think this is, Bruce. I think that you're concerned about an actual civil war with weapons being used and things like that. And honestly, here's where I see a real disconnect. No, Not necessarily. Let me, I, finish, let me just finish real quick. Okay, go ahead. I don't think, I, I'm just going to finish this. I am worried about a civil war. I don't know that that happens uh, in the next five years. I don't know. I, that's part of it. I think it's more, you know, I mean, the, the most strident Trump cultists who listen to them, I don't think you prosecute them. I think they should be sent to the American re-education camps. 
And it's modeled after those in the Middle East geared toward, you know, you de-radicalize Islamic extremists who learned their facts were never facts. And then if they don't change, um, they'll end up like their parents who are either incarcerated or dead because they supported Al-Qaeda or ISIS. And, and, and that wasn't Islam. That wasn't the nation uh, of Allah. It was actually a really ugly, virulent strain like thinking you're an evangelical, evangelical Christian and bombing an abortion clinic. It's sick. And so, so I, I don't think this will go over well during this healing process we're talking about that half the country would like to see take place. Um, and it'll be looked at as probably as draconian and callous as government-sponsored childhood abandonment at the Mexican border. But it has to be done because I, I do think we could be headed toward a civil war. And this isn't an overreaction. If you, if you watch Social Dilemma on Netflix, how a group of former Silicon Valley whipshot wonderkin you know, uh, uh, engineers reveal these trade secrets, they reveal trade secrets, Bruce, they tell you how they sent you down all these QAnon rabbit holes. And it's about, to me, this show was about as illuminating as anything out there on how we have these echo chambers on both sides created for us by these algorithms which connects us, connect us with allegedly like-minded people on our side who tell us what we want to hear about Trump or Biden or Putin, not what we need to hear. So it happens on the left too. How, hell, how do you think Antifa started? Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is to wrap it up, you know, these re-education camps don't have to be internment camps of bad people. They could be done over Zoom even, almost a support group of sorts. Uh, depending who attends them, uh, uh, shouldn't even be arbitrary. There should be a system designed by these former Facebook, Twitter, Google, Instagram engineers who now want to help society. There'd be a measuring system that gauges how far gone they are, how delusional they've become, reading Bannon's tweets or, you know, Dan Bognino on Facebook. And, um, and it wouldn't just be for the proud boys or the far-right crazies. There'd be eco-terrorists in there. There'd be Antifa guys. And the goal wouldn't be to shame or blame. The camp would show compassion as if they were abused children, which many of them are. I mean, they were abused by people who invented the like button, who contributed to young girls committing suicide because they couldn't look like their Instagram filters in real life. And, and others were abused by conspiracists like this Alex Jones guy who's the David Koresh of the QAnon world, a guy, Joe Rogan, who's got one of the most popular podcasts in America, had on recently because, hell, Joe needed a guest that brought downloads. Joe Rogan is a scum. He's a creature of new media who, under the guise of everyone should be able to explain themselves and come across redeemable if I ask them the right questions. No, he's P.T. Barnum with a podcast. I wouldn't necessarily prosecute Rogan, but I'd put disclaimers on his shows and tweets like, Jack Dorsey and Twitter are finally doing with Trump and his tweets like, yes, you can listen to this utter bullshit, but we're telling you it's not factual or the truth. It's coming from a person or a group that has largely made up the worst about people to build their brands. So, you know, I, 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 and before I let you speak, I wanted to say the only time I started thinking about this seriously it was, you know, the age of disinformation we're in is when I saw Sasha Baron Cohen, the Ali G. Borat character, he's a speech at an LDL award uh, lunch in last November. And his line, we no longer have just facts, but now for the first time in our history have alternate facts. That's this election. Because you say something, you know, because President Trump says, says something with such a certitude of certainty does not make it so. And so I, I just, you know, look who's writing about, uh, 
look, find out who's writing about these illicit processes used by different polling companies trying to in battleground states. There are people like townhall.com, The Federalist, all these wacko right wing sites. I don't even read this raw story anymore. It's so left wing it, because that's where we are in America. And so, I, you know, I, I just I mean. I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm sick of the whole thing. And I do think something needs to be done. And I think this re-education camp thing is a good idea. Well, then don't close Guantanamo then, because it sounds like that's just the place you'd like to send some of these people. Wait, stop, stop, stop. Okay. So I'm just kidding. I know you don't want to send them to Guantanamo Bay. The, the I know, I was, that... I was just about to wildly agree with you. And um, it's too bad that you were being sad. To, you, you ruined this with satire. That's a great idea. But I, well, I Cuba, the weather in Cuba is very nice. If Don Jr., Eric Trump, you know, who, God bless him, were born on third base and haven't taken a fucking foot off of it in their life. If they were in Guantanamo behind bars, I would go visit them just to feed them from behind the bars. Little bananas. All right. So having heard your, I don't know. 10 or so minutes, 10 or so, 10 or so minutes of ranting at the beginning of this show out of about 12. I'm as so crazy far. as Alex Jones on the left now. It's great. This is what but, they've made me. Uh, <laughs> first of all, you have to own your own psychosis. Don't blame Alex Jones. Second okay. of all, get the hell off of Twitter once in a while because Twitter, so many people have decided that Twitter is the real world, that it probably almost is the real world at some point. Not for me. I'm on Twitter a little bit. Wait, I'm on Twitter a little bit. It's a, it's a, it's a cesspool of garbage for the most cesspool. part. So what do you because, think? Because, because, because yeah. you act like only one side has bad actors. Both sides have bad actors. And a lot I didn't of say both. On, I, I said there's Antifa. There's, yeah, that's uh, true. Okay. They, and they are the very left. bad actors. I, I agree with that. But, you know, I know which you know, you're, you're a very partisan guy and that's okay. There's, there's plenty like you, you know, you, yeah. you might be on the, you might I'm be the, to I'm, the left I'm, of what the Trump nuts are on the right. Okay. Yeah. Except you're far more educated than the average bear and far more worldly. So, you know, you, you have the ability to learn and evolve and the way you feel today might not be the way you feel in a year. Okay. So, so decisions made in touch, any decision that's made in a time of turmoil generally is not a good decision. You need to let the dust settle a little bit, see what happens. You know, the things that you assume your quote unquote opponents are going to do, what if they don't do it? You know, what if they don't? What if they, what if most of the people aren't crazies, but just people that saw certain things that they didn't like about your guy, right? So, because I think most people voted against Trump, but if you look at the down ballot elections in a lot of states, the Democrats lost spaces in the uh, in the House of Representatives. They lost like six seats, not enough to remove control, but they lost some. The Senate is going to get a little bit tighter, but it's still going to be probably Republicans by one or two. So, I think the country has a certain balance, but we've been through this like turmoil yeah, of all no these balance. years. We've been through this turmoil of all these years, and we need the calm waters to happen. And I believe that Joe Biden is the right guy to do that. So let's give him a chance on both sides. Yeah. Don't don't require him to purge all your opponents. Let him have a chance to look. Guys, like look, this guy said he worked with Strom Thurmond and segregationists, you know, forty years ago. 
I don't hold that against him. It was the wrong decision, but I don't hold it against him because those skills are going to be needed now, okay? Yeah, but, to, but, but, so but, that you don't demonize your opponents. You sort of say, okay, we have differences. Yeah, Let's see where we yeah, find common that, ground. That's fine, but but like you can change. Like he changed. That's a, that's a completely different argument. He changed. There are stupid things I did in relationships years ago. I changed. I I. I changed my stripes in ways that were going to help me and not hurt me. These people, some of them don't want to change. They're not capable of changing. I, I disagree completely. I don't think that there aren't uh, crazies on the left. I just think the people on the right are, are larger and they're more dangerous. And so I can't, so for instance, just a little thing like, you know, that, that somebody could, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think, we're so worked by these alternative facts now that like Congressman Jim Jordan, this guy from Ohio, he can actually talk about the left's cruel treatment of Brett Kavanaugh and all these other people. And yet he's on Twitter and he makes no mention of his enabling of an Ohio State team physician sexually abusing and harassing kids that wrestled for him, more than a half dozen of which have come forward and called him out. And this man in the era of Jerry Sandusky still has a job in the government. We've gone absolutely mad. We, we will have the back of people, no matter their morals, criminal-like behavior, their emotional and physical disregard for athletes they coached under them, because Jim Jordan is red. We don't think, wait, how is this congressman allowed to be a leader of a district, a leader of men and women? Wait, wait, he can't even protect kids. We think, wait, let's see who wrote it. Wasn't the Federalist, wasn't Fox News or Outkick the Talent. Must be them damn lib flakes in the mainstream media. I mean, this is where we are. The, 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 these, these facts that are alternative facts now go disproportionately to one side of our country. And that is the side that's claiming that election fraud is really happening. And that is flat out dangerous. And if violence occurs, it's treasonous. It is treasonous on, on the part of the people in charge that led this thing. They if undermine- violence occurs- it, if violence occurs, we have to believe that our law enforcement community, assuming that it isn't all defunded to the point of being neutered completely, is going to be there as our firewall to protect us. I, you know, we, we, we tend to believe that, you know, because there are a number of cops that are bad actors, and not only the ones in the last year or two, but for a long, long time, okay, that before people had cell phones where they could shoot video of things horrible happening. It's been going on forever. But even as long as it's been going on, I still have faith in the law enforcement community. There are plenty of law enforcement. There are plenty of uh, African-American police chiefs, female cops, Latinos, different ethnicities. It's not like all white cops, because when you see these videos, every, you know, it, it's pretty, it can be somewhat misleading in that you you know you see the worst actors but i believe that most police are good good guys and good women okay so you have to you have to trust that if they're if these nuts start coming out out with weapons the fbi is watching them look they prevented the thing in michigan with with the gretchen whitmer that attempted kidnapping um, that conspiracy well, there, yeah, there yeah. are people watching there are people watching this is not this is still the united states of america and i believe that most people want to see some sort of coming together 
and eliminating the divisiveness. I don't believe that most people have bad intentions. I believe in, in most of us being pretty good and we're gonna get better. I feel that, the best, that, that there are better days ahead. You sound like you don't. I don't, I, I, not until this president um, concedes and tells his- It's, ha it's gonna happen, his, Mike. His most rabid people to back down and back off. And, and I believe like the Newt Gingriches, the Lindsey Graham, the people who, I, I think they should all suffer if not um, punitive consequences legally, they should all be voted out of office by their constituencies. And if they're not, you circle those constituencies and you said, these are either racist bastards or they're as dumb as a box of rocks and don't, and not only don't visit there or patronize their businesses, make them pariahs in America. You know the best way to make that guy. happen? Do you know the best way to make that happen? Yeah. Is for the democratic side to be willing to be a little more moderate too. And then you will entice some of the Republican side to be more moderate. We, you know. They don't want, but Bruce, they don't want that. How do you know? When, when Bruce, when Bruce, I mean, when um, <laughs> Joe Biden campaigned the final week and a half on unity and being president for not just red, blue America, but the United States of America, I, the first thing I thought was, oh man, he is going to get close to losing this election because more than ha almost half the country doesn't want a United States of America. They want red and blue. They want North and South. They want to live in their own. They want to live next to people who look like them and think like them. That is not so what are you going to do? Countrymen to me. Mike? That to me is that to me is an enemy of the state. You're just going to then what are you going to do about these people? You're going to just ethnically cleanse them? What are you going to no, do? No, I don't think you ethnically need to cleanse them. You need to appeal to their better to their what better What do you want how do we how are we how are we going to how, how how in the world can you get someone who wants to uh, you know behead Dr. Anthony Fauci and like a public you know a guy that's trying to Let the legal the system handle those people. Okay. Steve Bannon is in trouble with the legal system. There's a really good chance that once Donald Trump is no longer residing at 1600, he could end up very much being subject. To, I mean, not only Donald Trump, but his family as well. I mean, there's a lot of that. You know, the tax returns have never been released. I think it's more than his accountant telling him we're still under audit. Don't you think? So I yeah. think the legal system is, we have to trust the legal system to deal with this. I'm not ready to go straight to, to you know, hating people because, because of my orientation, Mike. Like I've told you, I'm not mm -hmm. a partisan. I see guys on this side I like, I see women on this side I like, and the opposite is true too. Our only hope is for people to sort of understand that unless we all wanna go up in flames, you know, everybody can win, but everybody just can't have everything they want. You're going to win a few, you're going to lose a few. The main thing is, I think, the, the, the extremists on both sides get all the attention, especially on social media. The bomb throwers on the left, the bomb throwers on the right. I'm living in that middle. I'm living in that 60%, which is where most of the people in this country is. 20% are on the right, 20% are on the left, 60% are in the middle. I remember writing a letter that got published in the Wall Street Journal. I wrote it just before the last election, okay? It was actually published the Saturday after the election, but it was written before the election. 
and I and my point was I'm really mm. concerned about what I call self balkanization. We and it's really what you're saying too. But I don't see it as just being a a right wing thing. I see it as being more than that. I I <laughs> I said I can't decide if I'm a liberal conservative or a conservative liberal because I'm mm. I might be one. I might be both. But I know I'm something like that. And I believe that for us to succeed, that mindset has to be okay again, as opposed, and that's why I never get into political stuff on social media with people, because I can have a conversation like this, but I would never try and engage people in this topic on social media ever, because it would just lead to total frustration. Yeah, I, um, so you're saying that I shouldn't beat people like Maria Baratromo you can do whatever you want, Mike, but you can't get rid of them. I, can't, I shouldn't beat them with tire irons, set them afire, mm. and put them out with Colin Kaepernick's cleats. You're mm. saying that that's a bad thing. You know, it's funny. I, 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 one of the things that I think is, is definitely tied, I mean, COVID has changed everything about everything in this country. It has yeah. basically made the ground we walk on feel like there's an earthquake every day. I think that is somewhat connected to our political you know, uh, instincts at the moment or the way we feel, because the worst thing in the world is uncertainty, right? And, yeah. and, and because there's so much uncertainty with what's caught this pandemic, and again, I'm not here to assign blame about Trump, what he did or didn't do. The vaccine is going to come out probably pretty early in Joe Biden's administration, but a lot of the work for it will have been done before Joe Biden was president. But guess what? He gets to take credit for it when it happens. There you go. When you're a winner, you get to win sometimes. So I can't wait for that to happen. I'm more than happy to give Joe Biden and his new team credit for it. People will know, some of them, that a lot of the work was done in advance, but it doesn't care. Because when it's a zero-sum game, it's like Joe Biden gets to take credit for that. Have you looked at the Dow Jones this morning, Mike? We're taping this thing at about 1025 this morning. The Dow Jones is up over 1,000 points. Yes. You know that's, why? And that's and, and, and there's lots of reasons why. Because, I think because some they know of the uncertainty that about the election now is behind us, right? Whoever because wins, they know wins. that the, because they know that Joseph R. Biden and Kamala Harris are our leaders. They know that this country is going to become more stable than it is with wingnut golfing in Sterling in Virginia. Fine. That's, why. that's great. That's great. That's a win for everybody, Mike. That's a win for you. It's a win yeah. for me. It's a win for anybody who's got a 401k. It's a win. That's why, that's why I say, because I'm neither here nor there, bravo. Go get him, yeah. Joe. Go get him, Kamala. Do your thing. Do your yeah. job well. You know? but, don't, but, but, I, but don't make me a loser because you're a winner. Make me a winner, yeah. too. You know? I want yeah. you to feel like a winner, but I don't, I don't want to rub the, everybody's nose in the shit. I mean, that doesn't yeah. help me, and it doesn't help us. I don't know, rubbing, I, I, I just think that if you, if, you, if you can't accept the decision, I mean, like, it would be like- Accept the decision, Mike. He has no, the man, right like, to do Look where we stuff. are. Look where we are. We're spilled. <coughs> How much <laughs> money is the guy spending? Look, I've got COVID, Bruce. <coughs> that money could be used of keeping me off a ventilator. Instead, 
They're putting money in legal challenges. They're, they've got people like spending energy on this every day. This and you whole don't think masquerade. the other side's defending it to, to it's a so you're, you're convinced fell. you're convinced it's just going to end one day and he's going to go, eh, yeah, I yeah, just had to get over it. I agree. I okay. think so. I hope I so. I don't know when. I'm not saying when. But I think there's going to be a certain point in time where he can, he can then say, look, He'll, he'll spin it the way he wants to spin it. He'll say, okay, the people have spoken, but remember mm. this. Remember that the COVID vaccine is coming out soon, and, and a lot of that work was done on my watch. The economy, he's still the president, so this 1,200-point gain is on his watch, okay? Whatever it ends up being. It might not be 1,200, whatever. I'm just saying, I think at some point, do you think he wants to be frog marched out of the White House? Because if it comes to that, he's going to be removed physically. He's not going to want to do that. He's, he won't leave the White House. legal stuff, then he's going to go away. Maybe, maybe, maybe his people might be talking to Biden's people at this point saying, okay, how do we keep Donald and his family out of jail after the election? What do, what do you need to see? Lock him in. Lock him sure in. That doesn't happen. Lock him in the Lincoln bedroom before the before the the inauguration day, and and just this is a guy he won't he won't leave the White House until his stupid presidential bathrobe monogram, monogram bathrobe is pried from his cold dead hands. But he's leave, sick. he will. But leave, he's he sick. will. Look, he's he's a he's the ultimate narcissist. I mean, there's no question about well, it. Well, he's not he, as bad as me, but he's not about as him. But you he's know not what? As bad, he's not as bad as me, but he's close. You're right. Yeah, anyway, so <laughs> hey, by the way, I think I think I think I think I will convince you one day that yeah. you do not need to walk out there with with a pitchfork looking for for, you know, a Trump Biden 2020 sign to deface. <laughs> from the pitchfork. You would <laughs> never do it to a person. I know you no, would never do it to a we person. have a guy but that sign. Have... You would do it to that sign. We have a guy in this neighborhood, actually, where I live in uh, Chevy Chase, Maryland. I, God bless him. He's the only guy, he lives on the corner um, uh, about a few blocks, a couple blocks away. He's the only guy with a Trump-Biden sign in the neighborhood. That must be like being in, you know, whatever it is, Garrett County, Maryland, like somewhere up in the hinterlands with a Biden-Harris sign, like just waiting for violence or something bad to happen in your house. The difference is, you know, you will get a cross burned onto your lawn if you've got a Biden-Harris in the hinterlands. This guy... He uh he didn't get any signs stolen. He just took him down after he realized that his guy got his ass kicked in the general election. But I I give him credit. I give him yeah. even though he's a miserable man. That uh, it's funny. It's the only guy that I've almost had a run in in the neighborhood with. I was trying to put a lemonade stand out for my kid, and I, like um it was in front of us. It was on the sidewalk, but it was this one part of the sidewalk where it was shady, so my kid wouldn't get sunburned to death. And he comes in and he goes, did you really have to do that there? Did you, you couldn't have asked? And I'm like, sir, it's a public sidewalk. Like, I almost wanted a gangster slap and curb stomp him in the one, in the one interaction I had with the guy. So that's why they all really got to go, result. Bruce. That's why they all got to go. He kicked the lemonade stand off, his, off the public sidewalk. You have Bastard. some. You have some. You have some significant rage issues. <laughs> you really do. Yeah, you know what? I, I mean, you kind of you kind of look of, like one of those you know who's skinhead got, you types know who's too. My rage than any other uh, therapist lately is this Steve Kornacki guy from NBC. 
MSNBC. John King would kick his ass. John King in an arm wrestling match would, would handle that guy. But that's the great thing is that, you know, that Steve Kornacki has a bigger brain and that's what he needs in his job. He was so much better than, and I love John King. I know John King. I see him in nationals games. We talk. He's he a rock star, in, John King. He really is. What? He's a rock star, man. Oh, he is a rock he star. Has, he I haven't around. seen anybody do the touch screen like that since, since Tim Legler. <laughs> you know, John King's tight with Adam Silver. We could get him on pretty easily. You know that, right? He he actually be a great guest. John King they, is John King a sports fan? Does he like basketball? Oh yeah, yeah. He oh, took see? his kid to the All Star game every year because Adam Silver and him either were classmates or something. They got him tickets. Mike, you 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 know, listen. Yeah. On the Mike Wise show, we're always willing to go and travel in different lanes. We never yeah. and and if our next week's show, which we won't talk about, comes through as we're expecting it will, that will be a classic example. However, we're not. Yeah. That's the tease. We're not going to yeah. say any more about that right now. But, but this couldn't, Steve but, Kornacki, but I think, yeah, but I, I think, look, everything overlaps. The whole COVID thing. So the COVID thing overlaps with the election, right? With the uncertainty in the country. The COVID has also overlapped with a big story that I personally have been very attentive to the last yeah. few days. And you probably, to a lesser extent, but maybe a little bit, the big layoffs at ESPN, where a lot of people, and again, the people on the right that you were railing against before, I see, again, this is why social media is such garbage, okay? I was, you know, I was on Twitter a lot because a lot of my friends and a number of people that weren't necessarily close with me, but that I knew, lost yeah. their jobs last week, as I did three years ago this month, okay, in a similar situation. I'm watching people say, you know, the reason that all the people are leaving ESPN and their ratings are down and I got to do all these layoffs is because they're too woke. They're too left-wing in their politics which is utterly ridiculous BS, okay? Mm. For those of you out there that maybe don't like Mike Wise but are listening to his show anyway, that may disagree with him politically <laughs> and on, on this issue with me, okay? The reason that, the two reasons are cord cutting, which we can explain in a second, plus COVID equals catastrophe, for yeah. ESPN. They had 100 million subscribers, cable subscribers in 2010. Now they have around 82 million. So that's 18 million fewer. They're trying to change their business model by going more with the digital direct to consumer over the top mm -hmm. type of stuff. But the fact of the matter is the combination of losing 18% of their cable uh, homes, plus all of the sporting events that were canceled March Madness, everything, all the baseball games that they were supposed to broadcast and sell advertising in to make money, okay, because of COVID went away. That's where they were left. Sure, there's people at ESPN that um, are liberal politically. I don't think there's any question about it, okay. I know that they were thinking that they were going to try and limit that somewhat, but then the whole George Floyd thing busted loose. And, and athletes were becoming advocates and, and activists. And people on the air at ESPN, you know, had strong feelings about this too. So I think ESPN was correct to allow them some room to, to kind of get this stuff out there and talk about it. It's not the reason they laid off 300 people. It's, it's the COVID and it's the cord cutting. And there's no way in the world that anyone will ever convince me that 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 there that politics is any more than like this much of why that happened. The, the guys who were laid off this time, uh, the, the, whatever it is, three hundred. 
they were mostly um what were they Behind the scenes types, you know. Behind the scenes types, uh, right? You know, some news editor like, people, uh, like you, like it was, it was uh, right. A lot producer of types, right? Con content creators. Uh, or some of the, or some of the big names that we know. Who are, so were some of the big names that we know? Well, they haven't really. Was Raina Kelly? With, was Raina Kelly laid off at the undefeated? No, they haven't really um, talked about talent, and those are the names that your listeners would mostly know: the front-facing people that are in front of the camera. The only one that really, you know, the big names that are gone, you know, are big names in the TV world, but not to the general public. Yeah, right. So, so well, you know, I, a lot, a friend of ours mutually, Tim McHugh. Uh, Tim right? is one of the truly, truly good men that I've worked yeah. with in this. See, I got to know him at Comcast uh, in DC. Well, he was, uh, he was working there and producing a couple of shows that I appeared on a lot. And he turned out to be a real, ju just a, how do you say it? A stand-up guy. A mensch. He was a mensch. Yes, he was a he mensch. Was. He, he helped me out at ESPN in ways I can't even tell you. And and uh, you, when you when you when you when you detract, and I understand these things happen, and you have to make tough decisions. When you decide that the people like that are expendable, the people like you are expendable, like that. The, what it does to morale and culture, you can't put a price on. You cannot put a price on. And I think that while Jimmy Pataro can make any decision he wants, and maybe I'm still pissed at him because he didn't get involved in my own contract negotiations and he was spineless about it at the end of when he took over from Skipper, I still think that when you decide that it's all about money and you decide a person should leave – you become less of a people business and become more of a basic, an automaton business where, you know, and, and if you want to live off sports highlights and be Norby Williamson, the rest of your existence, ESPN, good luck. Cause shut up and dribble doesn't work anymore. I think. That, oh, oh uh, wait, Oh wait. You wanted to say nice things about ESPN. Go ahead, Bruce. <laughs> no, it's no, it's not. It's not nice or not nice. I mean, like, like I said, I know I was, you know, I was there for 32 years, okay? And I was working on the NBA project for, you know, most of it. I mean, I, I covered my first NBA finals for ESPN in 1984 with Greg Gumbel uh, when, when one of our other producers' father got sick. But I was overseeing SportsCenter's coverage of the NBA finals from 1994 to 2015. And then I was working on other shows after that. I was very unhappy that I that I was you know one of the people that was let go but I also knew that it was a business decision it wasn't because of my performance you can blame you know Jimmy Pitaro or you can blame before him John Skipper but the fact of the matter is even they have bosses okay and their bosses happen to be in Burbank California okay and and what has happened to Disney's business during this pandemic the cruise ships ain't sailing Disneyland is still closed Disney World was reopened, but you know, it, who knows? They 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 saved the NBA by having the NBA bubble in Orlando. So you can say a lot of negative things about Disney. If not for that, you know, LeBron James wouldn't have title number four yet. Okay. Yeah, this so is good always, point. There's always there's, there's a lot of, of people don't a lot of people don't want him to have number four, like Michael Jordan. And yeah, also that, <laughs> like you like, you okay, you could throw that out there. You're right. LeBron James, that whole NBA season, I was against it at first, turned out wonderfully. But for, don't forget, Disney is also the company that allowed a boy to be dragged into a swamp by an alligator and eaten in Florida. 
Yeah, well, you know, because nothing <laughs> bad has ever happened. Because nothing Too bad soon. has ever happened in the world except with when the people that you want to blame are responsible. I got exactly. It. I got Too it. Soon. What if that family is listening to the podcast and going, "Too soon, too soon, sir, too soon." But anyway, I mean, so I he think got eaten again, by an alligator in an amusement park. Think about that. I know, right? And uh, <laughs> and 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 at Six Flags, people get thrown off the roller coaster and die horrible deaths, crashing to the ground. I mean, it, it's I, that's you know, when it, Dan it, that's when Dan Snyder owned them. Um. You know, li li as they say, life's a bitch, then you die. Okay. Yeah, right, right. But but, but one again with with the ESPN thing, one of the things that companies have learned during this pandemic, and every company, including you name it, the ability to work remotely now ha will be forever changing our economy moving forward. It it just will. And so yep. a lot of the technologies that we're using right now for this podcast, Zoom, right? They're doing TV shows with that. They're doing hoop shows yeah. with this kind of thing, instead of sending cameras and spending thousands of dollars on satellite transmissions and all this stuff, you wouldn't believe how much money it costs to run like a, a news operation. Now it's like, it's like Mike and Bruce in these two little boxes, only instead right. of Mike and Bruce, it's Sage Steele and Kevin Nagandi, or you know what I'm saying, or, or Sal Palantonio wait, or whatever. So wait, Sam, really- Sage, Wait, Sage kept her job? <laughs> I'm just asking, did she, was she not laid off? Like I said, they haven't said anything about oh, okay, talent. Okay. Generally, what they do with talent when these I don't, things I don't, happen, I, I don't generally what they do with job. talent is they don't say they're laid off, but with their contracts expiring, they just don't renew them. And it tends to be a little more quiet. And then the talent themselves or their agents might put it out there so that prospective employers know in three months, my person's available, that kind yeah. of thing. But uh, so, yes, I, don't, I, don't, I hate all the gloating on Twitter. Okay, because here's yeah. what I said. I put a no, I put a thing up on Facebook about this. I said, you know, anyone who's gloating about this saying, you know what, ESPN got too woke and that's where they're losing all these. I said, guess, uh, what? Yeah. guess what? Some of the people that got laid off share your politics too. Are you glad that they lost their jobs? They voted the same way you did and they still lost their jobs. Right. That's well, you you. about the gloating. I can tell you firsthand, there were people that came up to me and were concerned about their jobs. The moment, and whether you believed she was right in doing so or not, the moment Jamel Hill called Donald Trump a racist on television, and it wasn't like, how do I put this? It wasn't like Rachel Maddow. It wasn't somebody at a political, it was someone who was hosting a, basically a six o'clock show every night, basically throwing her opinion out there. And a lot of people agreed with her. And there are things about Donald Trump that I think are, if not, racist at least horribly racially insensitive but but that damaged that economically damaged that place like few places and and there were people on both sides who felt awful like it felt like it was just such a we talk about throwing something out there and not cleaning up your mess later it affected a lot more people and if, if jamel hell doesn't have any um uh, misgivings about that whatsoever, about affecting some employment of people that didn't make as much as her in many of the behind the scenes jobs. Well, she should have, she should have that in her conscience as well. Well, that's, you know my two what? Cents, that's, that's my two cents about Jamel, who I actually get along with and am congenial and agree on most issues with. I don't really know Jamel. We, we kind of, when we both used to work there, we would kind of you know, walk by each other in the hallway and kind of go, hey, but we never really had any kind of a conversation. It's like, you know what? There were so many people in that place. You couldn't really have those relationships with everybody. You would tend to be more, you know, 
conversant with people you might work with. And I Wait, mean, you, you know, I know for 30... you at the undefeated when you were there, right? Yeah. From what I can tell so far, the undefeated has gotten off pretty much unscathed, which means that ESPN doesn't feel that that being socially conscious and having people do that stuff, they don't feel it's bad for business because well, uh, that, that area seems to be in pretty good shape. Well, I, I, I wanted to write a book at one point called the defeated.com because I felt like it, they, they took out the ESPN in my estimation um, basically gutted the, what that thing was supposed to be, but kept it for almost cosmetic purposes. And when I mean, I mean, cosmetic purposes, you can't just kill the um, site that's, that's made up of African-American writers and editors um, because you look awfully bad in your work world. I'm just glad they didn't because a lot of my friends still work there. And I don't get, and, and every now and, then, and they put on, and they still, Steve Reese, one of the finest editors, Jerry Bembry, who you know, yep. um, uh, Michael Fletcher, Lanao Neal. is a good Mark pal Spear, of mine. Yeah, Mark Spears does good. Yeah. These people, like, they do great work, and and um, and they deserve to have a full editor. They deserve people that, they deserve people in um, that, that have their back in many more ways than they've had. Well, oh, Mike, you know what? Right now, with with the with the fragility of the economy, and like I said, with the COVID making the ground feel unsteady almost every day, they're still in business with the undefeated. Good yeah. for them. Good for us. Good for good for the country to have that level of discourse out there for people to see. Right now, these days, it's like I still got a job. Okay, take a few deep breaths, move on. And then reorient to what your circumstances are. If you have to work with less, find the most efficient way to do it. Deploy your resources in the most important areas. Everybody's got to do that. You know, the TV network's yeah. got to do that. Everyone's got to do that. So adapt and don't live in some utopia where it's like, if it's not 100% perfect, it sucks. No. If it's 51% to the good, you're winning, okay? Anything yeah. beyond 51% is gravy. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And look, I also get what you were saying earlier about the whole notion of if you don't dial it down a little bit, you're never going to get someone else to see your way, point of view. Um, I, you know, half the people voting for Trump are, you know, are doing so because we've called them racist for doing so. You know, they believe they're good people and good people do anything to protect their inherent right to mm -hmm. remain good people, including convincing themselves you're wrong by voting for Trump again. So, 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 so people out there, if we're going to really call these people, you know, every person that voted for Trump is a racist, which I don't believe. If we're going to do that, don't expect them not to get their hackles up and, uh, and not, uh, not, cannot come to your side of the fence in the way of thinking. I do think we have to talk to people that are reasonable and and agree to disagree on certain things and that's hard right you're now. absolutely right you're absolutely right and like i said once we get uh this this covid deal done to the point where we can get vaccines and enough people have the brains to get the vaccination when it comes around as opposed to being stupid like the anti-vaxxers yeah. who are just dangerous dangerous nuts in my in my opinion okay um once we get that settled I think we can slowly get ourselves back on the rails. We're off the rails right now, but we're not going to always be off the rails, Mike. Only if people that are off the rails 
decide that it's better to be off the rails than to be back on the rails, then it's going to be bad. I'm not one of those. I don't think most people are one of those. I think there's probably 30% of the people, 30 to 40% max on both sides that are that. And the rest of us, we're kind of, you know, our hands are at 10 and two on the steering wheel. We're trying to be pretty balanced. And I think, I think we will. And I feel very confident about the future. I wish Joe Biden wonderful mental and physical health. I think Kamala Harris is a very qualified individual that I need to learn more about her than what I already know. But until you show me you're a bad guy, I'm still giving you the benefit of the doubt, okay? Which I also did with Donald Trump, by the way. But we know how that ended, okay? We, right. None of us really were thinking he was a good guy after a certain point in time. So try and have faith in your fellow man. Try and, try and you know, you know it... it if, the, if you want to destroy the Trump sign with your pitchfork because you pulled it up out of the ground and you want to hack it to bits, <laughs> go ahead and do it. Just don't throw eggs at the guy's house, you know? Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah, want to get too far out of hand. Vent a little bit, but say, okay, we're still us. We have to be us. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and I'm, not, I'm not taking apart the entire Republican Party. One of my good friends, I don't care if he mentioned, uh, maybe peripheral friends at this point, because we haven't done a lot, but is this guy that was the understaffed secretary on, in Bush's White House. And um, he's a great lawyer. And, he, and we didn't, our values weren't all the same. But if, if, this, if this guy's name is Brent McIntosh, if he ran today um, and I didn't like the Democratic uh, candidate on the other side, I'd, I'd go work for him. He, he's sensible, he's thoughtful. He cares about people um, who don't look like him and think like him. You can't say that about. See the the whole make how America. How far you've come in forty five minutes? Look but at no, how far then, you've uh, come. But I'm going to go right back to where I was. The crux of make America. <laughs> the crux of make America great again. To the believers was a freaking mirage. You know, for to see, for to see it, you had to buy into the logic that a malt shop in 1955 was Nirvana. For white people eating the ice cream. It was a utopian for the black people trying to mop up Jim Crow. MAGA was a myth and will always be a myth. And until we see that that's what MAGA was and what, what it was created for was to give the give give white America the feeling that they were still kids again and that their grandparents were giving them lemonade on Fourth of July. Like, get over yourselves. MAGA America was always great. great. America was always great. But exactly. America is evolving, you know, in, in the 1950s. You know, I was, I spent Sunday with my wife in West Stockbridge, Massachusetts, up in the Berkshires and in Lenox, and we went to the Norman Rockwell Museum, okay? Now, Norman Rockwell, a lot of people know who Norman Rockwell was. He used to, he was like one of the great artist illustrators of the 20th century. Yeah, New York, was Saturday, Saturday Evening Post, wasn't Saturday it? Saturday Evening Post, Look Magazine, covers, yeah. advertisements, you name it. Social commentary, well ahead of his time, okay? And, and some of the universal truths that this guy did, did, did story, you know, visual stories about were all the way back into, you know, Brown versus Board of Education. And, and he brought a positive message to America about minorities. Famous picture of, I think her name was Ruby Bridges walking in Little Rock with marshals in front of her and marshals behind her. You see tomatoes thrown against the wall she's walking by. And, and that, was, that was probably not so easy to do back then, right? Mm. 
And also he had depictions of, you know, black men being senselessly and, and cruelly treated and murdered. You know, the guys down in Mississippi burning down in, in Mississippi, you know, the, the Schwerner and the, and the guys who were recruiting blacks to vote, you know, back in the early 1960s. And, and it led to change and, and people started to change. Not everybody has gone along and some people quite honestly have regressed, okay? I'm not denying that at all. But I believe that this country is still the best place to be if you're a minority, if you're white, if you're anybody, okay? But, but it's only gonna work if we decide that we can be different, but we do have certain things that we share that are in common. And one of them is our desire to have an inclusive society and to move forward together. I mean, God, I mean, we have the best of everybody. We, we have the best of every country in this country. We are the children. We have. Bruce is a big peace-loving pacifist, and what do we do? I have to close this shade. It's making me look like you. I'm too white. Hang on a second. There are people dying of COVID every day. Your president doesn't give now. a shit, and he'll do it his way. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So anyway, Mike, I, I know you don't want to talk about basketball, and we're closing in on two right, right. minutes of talk here. Okay, I'm just. Well, we saying did talk that, about we did talk about basketball. We talked about the things were that were important to NBA players yeah. this year. We both that, are that, LeBron that James admirers. That, 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 that a workforce that is still 80% African American and has more white allies than shoot Bucks County of Pennsylvania. Um, that, this this league wanted Joe Biden not because they thought he was going to better their uh, wallets, not because necessarily they thought he was a uh, you know a um, they had a policy. No, his policy was he cared about people that doesn't doesn't look don't look like him and think like him. He cared about those kind of people, and I think that whatever you say about the guy, professional politician or not, when when even the a Cretan like Lindsey Graham says, Joe, I know Joe Biden. He's a decent guy. If Lindsey Graham thinks that, Joe Biden's a decent guy. I am so proud to be a part of the basketball community because yeah. to me, the basketball community has always been, and again, our, our mutual pal, David Stern, who did his last sit-down interview on this show just over a year ago, okay? David Stern and, and behind him, Adam Silver, and before David Stern even, Larry O'Brien and others has always been a league, you know, go back 50 years and look at the pictures of Bill Russell and then Lou Alcindor. Okay. Along with Jim Brown and, and, you know, political activists fighting on the right side of social issues. Uh, it continues to this day. They do have a little bit of a problem with their whole approach with China. And that's something that I do believe they realize and is going to evolve in some positive way but there's a whole lot on Adam's plate at this point. And certainly the, the fact that the, that the management of the league and the players were able to kind of come together, allow the, the, as you call it, the renaissance of social conscience to be presented to the masses through these NBA players over the summer, uh, makes me so proud to be a part of this community that is really um, represents the very best when it comes to inclusiveness, because in the NBA, it's like Chris Mullen told you when we did him about a year and a half ago yeah. on this show. Mully he said, when it comes, because you asked him something about being the great white hope, or did he feel like he was the great white hope or whatever? And he said, I wish I could do his Brooklyn accent, but I can't. He's there. 
In basketball, it doesn't matter what color you are. Can you play? And are you a good teammate? That's it. And for most of us in this basketball family, that's kind of how we feel about each other. We can disagree about certain things, but you know, if you're open, you're getting the ball. Even if you voted for the guy that I didn't vote for, if you're open underneath, I'm giving you that pocket pass. You're going to get two and you're going to high five me on the way down the court back to play some D and that's basketball. And that's this family. Well, you're right. And, and you said something earlier, Ted, Twitter's a cesspool. It is. It's a fucking shit I mean, if you can hold me to this and I, and I want to leave Twitter and the only reason I would even keep an account is to tweet out this podcast. um, My, my, my pieces for the Washington post op-ed page and promoting the Billy Mills book that'll be coming out next year. Use it to uh, your advantage, Mike. Don't let it control you. That's don't what let I it do control me. It. Like I don't even want to comment. Like I, I, I can't help it. I, do you know how like some people can have a glass of wine? Yeah. And they and and maybe two a night, and they can go to bed and wake up in the morning and have a productive day. day. You know, I Twitter do you drink, for me Mike? is like. Do you enjoy I, an I, alcoholic I, beverage at all? Yeah, I do. What, I, what's I, your I don't, preferred? I, I don't drink. I don't drink that often. I, I understand, you know, but what do you like when you do have one? Oh, uh, you know, it's sad. It's like I grew up in Hawaii. I like blue Hawaii's and Mai Tais, fufu drinks. That's and, okay. That's all you right. Know, and, and because Try they red taste wine. like Kool-Aid with rum in them. But there are people Try red who can, wine, Mike. Here's why. First of all, it's good for you. It has positive things for your heart. Second of all, okay, red wine, you, will, you will have two glasses of red wine, right? And you will not be all fired up where you want to go on Twitter and start throwing bombs. You'll be like, oh, I think oh, but so I'm saying Gambit on Netflix tonight. <laughs> my father was an alcoholic. You know, my father died a recovering alcoholic, had one bad relapse, probably got sober when I was about, oh, shoot, 12 or 13, you know, and, and, uh, and my life was different after that because he was a different parent, and a, but a different person. I, yeah. I came to respect and love him like I never did but I'm like thinking you know like Twitter is my alcoholism like I all these things social media is my alcoholism it's I can't just throw a tweet out there and do a drive-by I need to get in a conversation with people and I you know these are these are people you're having conversations with on Twitter are mostly assholes though Mike so yeah left and right left and right from that that's not a conversation that's a pissing match there's a difference but well, well, anyway, this I is mean, a conversation. Look, the bottom line is the biggest self. Go ahead, I cut you off. This is a conversation because a conversation involves listening yeah. to the other side and considering what they're saying and maybe agreeing, maybe disagreeing, but having a point and then listening and then being listened to as well. This yeah. is a conversation. Getting on the phone with someone is a conversation. Texting them sometimes is a conversation. Twitter definitely is not a conversation. Sexting it's a, it's a, a waste of time. Yep. You're right. Other than promoting your stuff. I you're right. I think, I think you're right. And I'm Use gonna, it to advertise do, now, do, I, do, I, do I send out a tweet saying that I'm done and just that I'm going to be using this as a promotional vehicle to make sure people know um, so they don't see that I've, that I've do, left? Do a, do a meme of yourself or a GIF or something where, you know, you're just like, you know, you have like a piece of duct tape that comes on your mouth and off of your mouth, you know, like one of those little gifs where it kind of goes back and forth. Yeah. Like duct tape, no duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, uh, or, or, or keyboard, right? Yeah. Throw it in the garbage can. <laughs> Twi- no, I'll, I'll put the duct tape over my mouth and I'll write Twitter on it and go, and I'll keep going like that back and forth. 
That'll hurt was, though. That's huh? hurt. That's like the forty-year-old virgin when he had the waxing and they pulled oh, the hair. Oh God, that was one of the great Steve Carell. That was one of the great <laughs> scenes in American cinema. The great scene. Oh son of a bitch! And the and the and the Asian woman who's giving him the wax is just falling over laughing during this during the. Now that we're here. done with now that we're done with Steve Kornacki and John King and Wolf yeah. Blitzer in the Situation Room, okay? Yeah. You need some recommendations for Netflix to, to, to buoy your spirit and bring you back to a happy place? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Yeah. We watched a series. I thought it was hilarious. It, 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 it takes a big investment of time. But we watched a series from Australia called Offspring, which is on Netflix. Okay. It is just... Australian people are like the coolest ever. Oh, they're, I, so I, much, I, they're so much cooler than we are, all right? I love Their it attitude, Oh, definitely. Their attitude, their their way of dealing with each other, their way of giving each other shit, but doing it in a way where nobody hates each other. It's just it's it's a it's like a blueprint for the person that would be kind of fun to be. I can't be that person forever. I've just I'm not. But if I could spend yeah. a week being that person, I think it would do it would be like a mental vacation, whatever. But anyway, offspring, there's like seven seasons of it. So you know, and the first season is sort of eh, but after that, when you get attached to the characters, it it's like it's like crack. I mean, you want to just keep watching it. And we're watching one now. We just finished up Tehran. That's an Israeli series where uh, the Mossad is in Iran, and it's like spy versus spy and all this stuff. A lot of action, very good. Um, um, you know, kind of timely and contemporary. That's a good one, Tehran. And now we're watching the Queen's Gambit, which is exactly the Ooh, interesting. What's the Queen's? I saw the the the. I saw it's the about a, It's a it's about it it it's about a young woman in the 1950s in uh, Kentucky, who her she's an orphan, right? Her father disappeared. Her mother killed herself. She was put into one of these orphanages, like a Christian orphanage, and she never really fit in you know there was a really good like african-american young lady character that was her pal okay in the 1950s right so it was you know different times but timeless kind of a friendship sort of a deal and she becomes interested in chess because the custodian in the orphanage she would they would send her down to the basement to clap the erasers because she was really smart so she would finish up assignments in class quick. So the teachers would say, go down to the basement and clean the erasers, right? Did you ever clap the erasers when you were in school as a kid? Yeah. So they sent her downstairs to do that. And she saw this custodian playing chess with himself, right? He'd play yeah. white and black against himself. And she would like observe him from a distance, you know, very kind of furtively. And one day she walked up to him and just started talking to him and what is that? And he checked. So she started playing. He started giving her little chess books. He would play with her. And she became like the state champion of Kentucky when she was like 16 or 17 years old. But she also had major addiction problems. I don't want to give everything away, but it's really yeah, it's a done. beautiful time time capsule type of a piece okay. with, with really cool cars. The Queen's right? Gambit. Like, Queen's Gambit. We're not through it yet. We're only like halfway through it. But, okay. And we've missed it the last couple of days because we were doing other things. But we'll get back to it tonight, hopefully. It's very, it's very cool. I mean, you know, this is one of the benefits of not having a lot of sports to watch is that we've been watching other things and you well, know, learning and, new and, things. And, and, and the thing, here's the thing. That election was one of the greatest sporting events of all time in my, in my life. 
I, I had covered a lot of, you know, whatever it is, game six, the Jordan versus the Jazz in Utah, the, one of the greatest NBA games I'd ever covered. I covered, I covered Kathy Freeman, the 400-meter um, Aboriginal, Aboriginal. The Aboriginal woman that won the, the Olympic, won the gold medal in, in 2000 in her homes in Australia, Sydney, yep. and I, in Sydney. And I, I was in a stadium in which 100,000 people, maybe including the woman next to her who was trying to win, wanted her to win i mean like it was sort of like this cleansing of all this guilt for what they did to the stolen generation of aboriginal children in australia took them out of their homes and made them try to be catholic and and, and same that they did with the native americans in boarding schools in america and people forget about the stolen generation and yet kathy freeman in that moment i mean there were there were like 80 year old, there were like a 70 year old AP sports writer who's no longer with us that was crying watching it because it was so emotional. This election had some of that. I mean, people went to bed, people were going to bed thinking that Trump had won and, and we're just, I, I, it was this guy, Charles, Charlie Sykes. I don't know if you know his name or anything. He's on MSNBC. I've heard of him. He's one of the conservative guys, right? No, he is not actually. Charlie Sykes is, uh, I think he's just one of these old time pollsters that's never been really wrong about anything, but nobody pays attention to him because he's this old. Time. <laughs> he doesn't have his own blog right now. Well, well, he actually got on uh, MSNBC and everybody's panicking. He goes, his quote was, everybody take a deep breath. The SEC is not going to decide this election. The Big Ten is going to decide this election. And I was like, this guy's unbelievable. And then Carvel comes on, James Carvel who's an absolute nut who um, he sat next to me on radio row as I was interviewing him for pre super big Bowl. LSU fan married, married to Mary Madeline Republican, his opposite, you know, that kind yeah, of, he stuff, actually, you know what? He'd be really good right now. James, I'm going to try and get Carvel. the economy, stupid. No, I'd like to get Carvel on. You know why? Because not, I, it, not only is he, not only is he smart, but you know, Can what? You talk He's, about Zion Williamson. If he comes on. Yeah, he, oh, he can talk about all that. He can talk about Zion, Zion's a, he a hell of a player. He a hell. So, hell Mike, Mike, I think but, but, that... But uh, he, he married a Republican, and she's yeah. like a campaign strategist. Like, he goes, every day he goes to war, uh, probably political war, with the person he sleeps in the same bed what is it, with. What is it with people like James Carville and George Conway, you know, marrying Kellyanne Conway, who was Trump's biggest cheerleader. Imagine. Oh, I think it's, imagine, I think it's, it's pretty clear. They that's like a, that's a reality like, show like, that needs to happen now. They like their kids are crazy. She's crazy. He's crazy. They're all yeah. crazy. No, the, 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 they, they married Republican dominatrix. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, Mike, we're about an hour in. Okay? Oh, Jesus. Okay. And I know it. And, and I think it's just been a lot of fun to have this conversation. We need to wrap this thing up. All right. All right. Okay. So right, anyway, so, so the NBA season is going to start December 22nd. By starting it then instead of January 18th, the players in the league will get between $500 million and a billion dollars more. So that's our basketball story. That's why they all okay. agreed to it. So that's basketball right. for this show. Okay, good. Okay. So, all right. So Wrap things up. That. Take us home here. Do something. Finish all right. Well, I can all, help I can you tell, all I can tell you is as much as I can't stand some of the things about this country, I am happy that I'm living in it and it is going to get better. And look, I, I, I vacillate now. From probably, I sound probably bipolar going from extreme to extreme. Um, I do believe in better angels. The game has brought us together. I, I can't tell you how much um, there you find out about somebody playing three on three with them that you could never find out just talking to them. 
and I, I, I'm going to make a vow on this podcast so somebody can. Yeah, I'm I'm going to get I'm, I'm I'm getting off Twitter for anything for but promotional purposes. It's it, it does me no good and it doesn't bring out the best in me. And if I can start bringing out the best in myself, maybe other people can bring out the best in themselves. How about that? Well, that that's great. But but don't feel like you have to do it cold turkey. Wean yourself what? off of it. You no. still got a few things you want to say. Don't hold them in because your head will explode and we don't want your head to explode. That'll make a real mess. We don't want that, okay? Yeah. But, but slowly change the way you use it. Use okay. it to your benefit. Use it like I use it. I mean, right. I have no followers. So you got to at least have a following. I don't have shit, yeah. but that's okay. I'll put the promo for this show up there. I'll, yep. for, and for all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Oh, can I promote our Pure Hoops media shows? <laughs> we yeah, always right. do that at the end. Actually, yeah. we won't do it this week. We, we had bigger fish to fry. But yeah. I really enjoy, you know, the fact that on this particular show, we can go off the rails. We can still bring it back. True. And, and nobody's going to get hurt. No animals were harmed in the <laughs> testing of this podcast. So, I know that. <laughs> so all I can say is, you know, peace, aloha. I'm, I'm proud to be your fellow American. I love the basketball community. I think we're great. And I think yeah. we're the example that everybody else should follow as far as inclusiveness and caring about other people and passing to the open man, even if he voted for Trump. Oh, oh, drop the mic. And I'm proud to Boom. be an American. That's what I'm Wait, proud Wait, we don't have the be. rights to that song. We'll get sued. So, oh, never mind. Yeah, we, we don't have an ASCAP BMI license. Sorry. <laughs> see you, <laughs> All right, Bruce. Mike. We'll see you next week. We'll, right. we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully have a, a real fun show next week. And you get the last word. All right. Be good to your kind, be good to your fellow man. Remember, we got a global pandemic going on. And, and first line workers, shoot, first line poll workers. These are all real, these are all Americans without any bias. They're just doing their job and they're trying to do it for us. So let's look after them before we look after the nuts like me and Donald Trump on the right. <laughs> Boom. How's that? That's Perfect. as good as I can do. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.